This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother Jason Statton, incredible and tremendous man of God. Um, first time I heard him was actually, I believe, at uh, Youth Congress. Um, but incredible preacher, let me tell you, this guy can preach. Uh, but uh, today uh, I've asked him to join us to speak on leadership, to sort of talk to us a little bit about apostolic leadership and, and what that means, what that entails. Um, so I'm very excited for this episode. Uh, Brother Staten, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, where you're at, and uh, some things you're involved in, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, thank you, Brother Crooker. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the uh, podcast and uh, share a little bit of my passion for leadership. Um, I am a pastor here in uh, Maryland. We're about an hour south of Washington, D.C. And um, I've been pastoring now. uh, It'll be 15 years in January. So started uh, pastoring when I was 31 and obviously young and um, lacked uh, and it lacked experience. Obviously, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I had experience in observation, but not necessarily um, so much in participation. So I've learned a lot in the last 15 years, uh, most of it the hard way, uh, decisions I made poorly that, that I uh, hopefully tried to learn from. So that's kind of my, uh, my background. I also, about a year ago, I joined or became a a licensed member of the John Maxwell leadership team um, just because I have a passion for leadership and I wanted to do something to grow myself and to continue to be challenged. And I've always um, been a big fan of John Maxwell's writings, his, his leadership content uh, and started a, I started a leadership um, business. I guess I, I still am kind of finding out what lane it will be, whether it will be consultation. Uh, so I, I am presently, working with uh, some consultation for some uh, businesses and also obviously doing some stuff for the church as well. And the name of the business is, uh, I, I got real out of the box, it's uh, just Jason State and Leadership Solutions is really all it is. So it's pretty simple, straightforward. Um, I've, I've written some uh, online course that is now posted. And um, so that's kind of my background as far as, you know, the, the title of leadership. But I, I, I think being, um, you know, in the apostolic church and knowing that we have some of the greatest preachers and some of the greatest pastors, um, I mean, across the board, talent, musicians, but understanding that the day that we live in, there's such a, a void of strong leadership, of good leadership, of principled leadership. And uh, I, I think that's been intentional. I think the enemy uh, knows, you know, obviously, if he can take out the, the head the body will be fractured. And so I think it's been a very intentional attack of the enemy uh, to destroy leadership and to, uh, to get, you know, I, I think uh, in the day that we live in, there's such a, there's so much pressure and, um, you know, intimidation by culture that if you don't just go with the narratives that the world is putting out there, then they'll, you know, some of the terms even of the day, they'll cancel you, you'll get canceled, you'll uh, you're, you're, you're going to lose a followership if you don't go with the narrative. But 
just by nature of what leadership is. Just going with the narrative is not leadership. And so that's kind of my heartbeat behind this is recognizing that uh, not just the next generation, but this generation, we've got to invest in leadership. We've got to invest in training leaders. We've got to invest in empowering leaders and equipping leaders. So that's kind of in a nutshell, my, um, you know, my passion for leadership. That is incredible. That's, that's tremendous. Um, so it seems like given that this is your passion, um, and that, you know, you, you've been pastoring for the past 15 years. So you, you understand sort of, um, you know, some, some places where leaders, leadership, um, I'm sure yourself included has made mistakes or fallen short or made the wrong decision in, in ways that you probably would have done it differently um, to, today had you been in that same situation, you know, 15 years later. Um, and, and I find that, well, I read this incredible book. It uh, It's called uh, How to... How to be a leader when you're not in charge, or something like that, um, by Clay. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I'm not entirely sure who the author is, but uh, it was a, it was a great read, um, and it was talking about how you know whether you want to admit it or not, there's somebody following you, um, somebody watching what you're doing. Um, so really, we should all be leaders. We should all, you know, as a father, I should be a leader in my home. Um, as a minister, I should be a leader in the church. Um, as a supervisor on my job, I should be a leader there. Um, so why don't you just talk to us a little bit about uh, what you think it means or what you feel it means to be a leader, um, what the, that role entails, Um for an apostolic yeah i think you know what you said is a big part of it i think one of the area one of the ways that leadership breaks down is when we try to compartmentalize it and we say well i'm going to be a leader behind the pulpit but then our life outside of the pulpit doesn't match up and i'm and again i you know we are human beings and you know i can't i'm i'm not gonna uphold the same persona uh, in my everyday life as I do in the pulpit in some elements, you know, I'm not going to use my preacher voice everywhere I go. Um, you know, there, there are going to be some differences between who I am behind the pulpit and who I am if I'm in the backyard with my family. However, as far as character and integrity go, I can't just be a leader when I'm in that role. I have to be a leader in those areas at all times. And I think that's part of what has hurt us. Uh, I say us, I think society is that leaders have compartmentalized and they've been great leaders on the surface. But when you start digging a little bit, you find that, you know, they, they weren't really leaders at all. And to me, I think our most public roles of leadership should be um, the result of the fact that we've implemented strong leadership in the most private areas. So, in other words, my first priority is being a leader to my in my family. Well, maybe, maybe let me step back a little bit further. My first priority should be leading myself. Um, that is the most challenging leadership role is leading yourself. Uh, it's easy to lead others, 
um, because really all you've got to do is throw out some orders and, and throw some vision out there and then expect they're going to follow you. Uh, when you're, when it comes to leading ourselves, you know, there's a, it's a hundred percent accountability. We, we, uh, we, you know, we can't just throw out vision and, and not know what the results are. We know now we may, we may try to fake others, but we know when we're not really, um, in control of our lives and we're not really following the, the, the pathway that, so, so for an example, I have a daily routine that I try to follow and it's very regimented. Uh, you know, it's a morning routine. When I get up, there's the first two hours of my day are on paper, very regimented, but getting myself to actually follow that regimen is a different story. I know if I'll do it, I will succeed. It's going to set me up for success. And I try, you know, I'm, some days I'm very good at it. Other days I'm not so good at it. It's a daily battle to lead myself. So first of all is leading myself. Um, and then secondly is leading my family and leading my, I've got four daughters leading my children as a godly man. Um, and, and, and I think all of these are built upon the, the one another. And then beyond that is, you know, leading myself as the pastor of my church leading myself when I'm speaking at different events, leading myself when I'm in my community. And again, the reason I say all of those are built upon one another is because if I don't lead myself properly, my children and my wife, they see that they're going to see what others don't see. And if it creates, you know, integrity, the integrity of a ship is speaking of, there's no holes in that ship that, that, you know, the, the integrity of fruit is that when you see an orange peel you know inside of that there's going to be a, a orange you know the, the meat of an orange it's not like you're going to have an orange peel and inside is going to be a lemon it's the same it's what it says it's going to be and i think when i lead with integrity and my family sees that you know that they want to follow however when they see that there are that when you peel it back there's something different under the surface that starts to create breakdowns and I, and I can't lead effectively in my public areas of leading if I'm not leading in the most private areas of my leading. Mm. Wow. So would you say that that sort of, uh, the disconnect, um, with good leadership, um, in the apostolic uh, movement or, when men are not upholding that same um, integrity and, and those same that same character um, they have in the pulpit on their everyday life. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to cast a shadow on our movement or on apostolic preachers because I, I don't I don't think it's the majority by any stretch. But, you know, you know how it is. If you have 99 that are doing great and one that's not, the one gets all the attention and it kind of casts a bad light on the other 99. So I'll just speak for myself. That's my biggest area of battle is, you know, I I can read books and John Maxwell and so forth and learn how to lead publicly. And, and, you know, and, and you can do that pretty well just by reading books and following others and seeing what they do. But leading myself, that's that's the bigger bet. So I'll just, I'll, again, I'll bring it back to me. But I, I, I definitely think it's the, any leader yeah. who is honest with himself will say that's the biggest battle that we face. Absolutely. What are some, what are, 
three things that you feel like, um, we'll just say, uh, we'll just say a pastor, for instance. So we'll just use that for an example. What are three things that every pastor that's a, a leader, uh, obviously, what are three things they should do, um, on a regular basis to make sure that they are utilizing their leadership role to its fullest extent? Three things. Well, obviously, number one, I think, is um, continue to invest in your own personal growth. Uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, I think it's in uh, Stephen Covey's book, um, where I know, I think it's a Stephen Covey principle that I know John Maxwell uses, and that is sharpening the saw. And he talks about, you know, if, if you're, uh, you may be the greatest lumberjack in the world, but if you just continue to saw without sharpening the saw, you're going to be you're going to be less effective um, than than if you you know cut one log, then take take a break, sharpen it, cut another one. And I think we get worn down as leaders when when we're not we're no longer investing in our own growth. You know, kind of those I, I already know everything mentality, um, which is really just a, a a false front for insecurity, but. I think number one is investing in yourself. Uh, number two is investing in the growth of those that you're leading. Um, I think to me, one of the greatest voids that we have in the church as a whole, and you know, obviously my, my dealings are mainly within the apostolic church is, um, you know, that we're not, we're not as in investing in developing leaders as we need to be. And some of that is lack of resources lack of, you know, I, I think it's not necessarily always a lack of desire, but sometimes it's a lack of resources. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. How do I? Uh, but so secondly, I would say is investing in those that we're leading. Um, and, you know, if I were to, to put a third one out there, I, I would, um, I, I guess for me, I think always, having, having a, a plan for growth having a, always always i think brother mangan years ago preached at a conference and he was talking about um the building of the tabernacle and how that they created you know the ark of the covenant was built um to be a place for the presence of god to dwell in but the structure was built first and and he used a very simple that simple thought to talk about we need to be prepared for where we're going rather i think too many times we prepare for where we're at and we don't grow because, you know, I think one of the principles of, of God is he's not he's not a God of waste. So if, we, if we're not prepared for a hundred soul revival, it's not going to happen. So I think being having a plan for where we're going rather than just always planning for where we're at. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, those are three things. Obviously, there are probably others that could be named. But I, I think as leaders, those are three that are very important is, you know, developing yourself, developing others and having a plan for where you're going. Absolutely. There are obviously, you know, ways that each individual, um, you know, you talked a lot about leading yourself. There are obviously some ways that we can hold ourselves accountable, if you will, um, to live by those standards that 
we set for ourselves. And now, obviously, and if we're talking about you know biblical standards, those are standards that remain. They're not going anywhere. Um, and then you have some people that have personal standards. And I think a lot of times it's easy to sort of push personal standards on people, um, whether whether it be you know preaching or you know in Bible studies when we should be allowing God to do some of that work. Um, yes, I think as a leader, it's our responsibility to bring forth the Word of God. Um, you know, do our best to relay. Um, the ideals and and the precepts and the laws of the Word of God, um, and if they happen to have questions, certainly uh, we would facilitate that that growth and that understanding. Uh, but what would you say would be the best way to I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this, but? to help um, in that realm, in that area um, of spiritual growth? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I like, I like the way you phrase that because certainly there are biblical uh, standards that are non-negotiable. And just as strongly as I agree with what you're saying about um, – you know, that people, we should not push our personal standards on people um, or, or should at least be careful how we share those personal standards. Um, I, I think one thing that the modern church has done terribly is made biblical standards elective. In other words, you know, you can, if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, if you don't have a conviction again, well, if it's a biblical standard, it really doesn't matter if you have a conviction about it. It's it's God's word. And, and uh, anyways, but further than that, personal standards, um, you know, absolutely agree. And I, I think some of that is we have to trust people. Um, you know, I'm a shepherd, not a, uh, uh, you know, a cowboy rustling and, and driving cattle. I'm not here to drive people. I'm here to lead them. I'm here to teach them principles. I want to teach them, you know, I think in the principle of, you know, Samuel and his calling and the voice of God three times calls him, uh, you know, obviously those, pro those all happen in within one night, those three voices, you know, three times he hears the voice of God. But I think one thing that Eli does well is, and, and I think as leaders, it, it, it's not all in one night that we teach this, but we teach people to recognize the voice of God, that, Hey, that's God speaking to you. And I think if, if all they do is get, you know, Samuel, the first two times, runs back to Eli for direction. Uh, and if, if people always have to come to us for instruction and direction and what should I do about this and how do I do that, they're never going to grow in their relationship with God. And we have to point people back to God and say, look, if God's dealing with you about this, you know, you need to obey that if, if God's dealing with you. But we have to, I think, training people to hear the voice of God teaching them that God does speak to us as individuals, that his, at any time God does give us a, a standard or a higher uh, level of conviction, it's for our protection and for our development. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that would be my response to that. That 
That was very well put. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, in in our everyday life, what do you what would you say would be some ways that we can? Um, I might have mentioned this before, but what are ways that we can that you feel we could hold ourselves accountable? Uh, maybe some some processes that you have adopted over the years. Uh, uh, really, anything that will that will help um, leaders. Yeah, I, I try to get very practical on that one because um, I, so systems. I think trying to develop systems in our lives. So, for example, I have a system for my morning. When I first get out of bed, I have a you know, when I first get up here, the first thing I do is I'm going to brush my teeth, then I'm going to go feed the dogs, then I'm going to go get uh, drink a drink, a glass of water, then I'm going to get a cup of coffee, then I'm going to fill out my gratitude journal, then I'm going to spend 20 minutes in prayer, do a devotional, and then I'm going to go to the gym and exercise for an hour. That's my morning routine. Now, it doesn't always go quite that smoothly, and sometimes it it's a little interrupted, but that is a system that I put in place. Uh, and and I'll, I'll speak on that for just a second that I think, you know, I think people use one scripture where it says, you know, that uh, bodily exercise profited a little to to make um, kind of the exercising is a negative thing. Well, I, I think this I, I've I've talked to our church that, you know, if there are a lot of people in their 60s and 70s that want to do more for God, but they can't because of f- physical limitations now. Obviously, some of those are out of our control. If, you know, if you get in a car accident or you've just got a, a genetic, um, you know, thing that's been handed, hereditary kind of deal or, you know, those obviously those are beyond our control. But I think when we do what we can in taking care even of our physical health, we're rewarded later on in life. I want to be able to be uh, active and, and uh, you know, um, beneficial to the kingdom of God into my 70s. But if I don't take care of myself in my 40s, it's not going to happen. So I try to be very practical, even in um, you know the way that I eat through, throughout the week. I'm um, I uh, I don't eat any. I try not to eat any. Again, I'm a, I'm going to try to be with integrity here. Instead of saying absolutes, I'll say I try not to eat any sweets or drink anything with sugar in it. Monday through Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, uh, I, I have a little. Uh, Sabbath. I, I rest from that and I, I indulge a little bit. Um, so I have systems set up in my life and very, and my spiritual, you know, I have, I'm going to fast. I have a day a week that I'm going to fast. I have prayer times that I'm going to follow and those are non-negotiable. And I think the, so accountability, the way that we can be accountable is by establishing systems in our life. And those go into my relationships. I have a system. I've got four daughters and I've got a system that I'm going to take each of my daughters on a daddy daughter date once a quarter. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take my wife on a, on a date at least once a month. Um, you know, those are systems that I put in place that make their way onto my calendar because I've learned if things don't, if I don't plan my day, somebody else is going to plan it for me. So that would be my response is that systems are, are the best way. Um, now, as far as, uh, leadership is concerned and I've heard I, I personally um, I do um, I write things down I write 
for instance, if I'm praying and God gives me a message, I write down the I write down the the, the scriptures He gives me. Um, if I feel something, I write it down. Um, if I'm reading in my uh, devotional times um, and something really jumps out, I write it down. Uh, what would do you, would you say would be some um, positives uh, to writing down? Um, for instance, your schedule and writing down uh, your to-do list, things of that nature. Yeah, I think obviously now I'm, I'm 40. I just turned 46 uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, Thursday. See that? I'm already. Um, and and I, I, I did have COVID earlier this year, and I've heard people say that one of the side effects of COVID is memory issues. And I don't know if it's 46 or COVID or what it is, but I'm, I do know this now. If I don't write it down, I'm probably going to forget about it. So that's just off the top, you know. But you know, once a, once a week, um, like my goal Sunday night, I sit down and I review the previous week, and you know, any of my tasks that didn't get done the previous week, I put them into the plan for the next week, and I write all of that down. And it just it gives me an overview of my week. Um, it, it helps me. It gives me the ability to spread things out and make sure that things are getting done to where I'm not feeling overwhelmed. And so I think writing things down with a, a, a plan is kind of the same as somebody who would, you know, do a blueprint for a house. You know, it's uh, it gives you a plan that everything is going to be done correctly in the way that it needs to be done. So I, I think there's so many great benefits of writing things down. So as a pastor, um, as a, a leader and a pastor, um, obviously there are times in life where things just happen. Things interrupt these schedules, these plans. What are ways you decide or determine whether it's something needs to be addressed right away, uh, whether it's something that you can uh, put onto the schedule? How, how do you determine that? What, how does that look like? Well, I would say that by, by nature, I'm not a conflict. I don't like conflict. So my tendency is to put things on the back burner and hope, hope that maybe they'll disappear. Uh, obviously, I've learned in 50. That's one thing I've learned the hard way uh, in 15 years. But I have learned that you, you can't do that. Uh, you know, there are things that have to be addressed. Um so as far as how you do that, I, I think it's just, um, I, you know, uh, again, going back to the, the Stephen Covey, um, the, 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 the book, the highly, uh, I can't remember the seven skills of highly effective people, I think is what it's called. And in there he has a matrix that he uses where you put things into whether it's urgent or important or, you know, he, he kind of breaks it out by different, and I think that's helped me in that it helps me to see, okay, if I don't deal with this now, it's one, it's not going to go away. And two, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And it's going to be a bigger deal to, if I don't deal with it right now. And when, so I, I guess there's a series of questions that I ask myself to determine that. And if I, if I know that this, this is an issue that needs to be dealt with now, um, then I, then I, I, after I go through that series of questions, I go ahead and deal with it. Uh, whereas, you know, if it's something that 
obviously there is the spiritual side of leadership and that is some things if I if if I try to deal with it I'm going to make a mess out of it and some things I need to let God deal with and that's certainly where prayer comes into play and there are some things that I just let I got to let God work it out because I don't I don't have the ability to work it out if I do I'm going to make a mess out of it Absolutely. So as as we're getting ready to sort of close out, we're closing in on 30 minutes here. Uh, what is something you feel like or that you feel right now, maybe on your heart or in your spirit, something that you feel you should leave our listeners with, our, our leaders that, that are hearing this episode? What's something um, you feel to leave them with? Well, I think one, be courageous, you know, pray and ask God to give you courage. Uh, we can't get our leads. We can't get our direction from culture. Um, we, we can't be afraid to be courageous. And, I, and I'm not saying I don't think we need to be um, like I told the church the other day. I have no desire to be that guy in our community who is, you know, all of the news channels from the nation are coming around to interview them because they're making some courageous stand. And I, if people do that, that's fine. I'm just saying that's not me. So that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is be, we need courageous leaders in this hour that, are, that have discernment and can know what, what is, is this of God? Is the direction this thing is going of God? If not, I, I can't endorse it. I can't get behind it. I can't put my stamp of approval on it. Um, and, and we've got to have courageous leaders in this hour. And the second thing that I would say that's a very close second is we got to develop, we got to develop leaders. Um, you know, we need to become very invested in developing leaders. Our world is at a huge vacancy, void of apos- certainly apostolic leaders. And as it, they, they aren't just born. There may be a few that maybe we would say, well, they were just born a leader. But most of them are leaders because somebody developed them. And I think the best place for developing the kind of leaders that our world needs is right in our churches, in our youth groups, on the pews of our churches. So, you know, find those leaders and uh, invest in them and develop them. Absolutely. Well, Brother Staten, we appreciate your time. We're so thankful uh, that you have uh, been willing to join us to talk to us a little bit about your experience and and about how you view leadership, and I believe that this episode is going to impact some lives. So thank you. Thank you, Brother Cooper. Yes, sir. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.